I, because ultimately it doesn't matter what you say. We're not going to talk about it anyway. I know. <laughs> Everybody, welcome back to Letterman Row. I am Austin Ward. This is Road Beers, joined by my buddy Jeremy Birmingham, as always. You know him as just Berm or Barm or Burn. Hi. Hi. Barm. I had to throw that in just because our colleague Chives Spencer Holbrook will not be joining us this week for episode number six. Because he's, got, he's dead. Because I killed him. He's got more, because of all the barn talk. He's got more important uh, things to do and because Burn killed him. And now everyone knows that they should come up with creative spelling uh, just to mess with Burn. And people, I think people have really taken to that idea. Yeah, I mean, a few people certainly have. I, I appreciate it. I think that everyone is doing uh, the Lord's work. And uh, <laughs> uh, I'm definitely not keeping a list of everyone who's doing it um, with the intention to, you know, provide reparation uh, <laughs> when, um, when, when we're out of quarantine. No big deal. Yeah, it's clearly not affecting you, which I think that's the great Totally fine with it. Totally fine with it. Yeah. What's the best one you've seen? Oh, God. I mean, I like when Chives uh, called me Beyond, like with a Y in there. I don't know how that happened, but whatever. I mean, it's fine. That doesn't even bother me. I'm not even affected. Rolls right off your back. You, you've always been very skilled at handling criticism. That's what I do. Get a lot of it in my life. I, was, I, had, somebody, I had somebody ask me. I'm going to cut you off. Uh, I had somebody ask me the other day, uh, a local person, a friend uh, of the family, long time. Why I'm the whipping boy. And uh, not just for this show, but for like Letterman Live. And I said, well, I guess because I, 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 I don't care if I am more than anything. And, I, and it got me thinking, like, am I the whipping boy? I don't, I, I mean, I don't get that sense. We talked about that in the first episode of this series. Um, the people that believe that we don't get along for some reason. I mean, yeah. Maybe I need to reevaluate the way that I treat you. I just thought that we were. Uh, well, I, I personally don't care. See, I think that's the thing. Like as I said in response, like I, I don't. I real. I know it's not like a. It's not really uh, spiteful or, or uh, meant. It's it's funny, but I guess maybe, maybe that's how people see it. Maybe I'm I'm the the guy that gets picked on. I just, and I'm fine with that. I'm the ninth of eleven children. I'm I am used to being picked on. I just want to know what I've done that would make people think that you are my my whipping boy. When I don't know, no, it's not just you though. It was like slags everyone. They they think everyone picks on on beyond. Well, I mean, you're also like the most easygoing and good natured out of everybody. So I could see why. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't care. Like you can say whatever you want about me. Like I said, I'm I'm the ninth of eleven children. I'm the seventh of seven sons. There is nothing that you can say to me that I haven't heard in my life <laughs> already. I had water that went down the wrong tube. Yeah, this is this is great stuff. We yeah, Woo. the first five minutes of our last few podcasts have been awesome. <laughs> just you know I I, li I love listening to Howard Stern as you know from being in the car with me all the time. Yeah, um, and he has in the last couple of years like his radio decorum has completely changed. So like if he's in the middle of a conversation and needs to burp, he just like burps like <laughs> loudly. And I think about that and like, you have to have such a, a remarkable amount of built up like cachet to pull that off. Right. Um, and there's been times when I'm like, Oh God, I just want to like burp or something. But then I'm like, I'm not Howard Stern. Therefore I cannot do that. Well, a big part of like what we try to do at Letterman Row as a whole is to keep it, you know, less polished. Keep it authentic. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, let people make fun of the fact that I wear a backwards hat. I was trying, like, my hair is getting so long, and I, I, I was, I knew I needed to wear a hat again this week, but I don't normally wear it front facing, as you know. Yeah. That's out of character for me. But it's so I was just hesitant because of the comment. I tried to go find it for this show because I'm going to wear a backwards hat, and I hope that our uh, our favorite commenter from um, <laughs> Fiestable, I could never find it. Like it, it yeah. exist on the. I think we the, the comments are gone. It, it may have been nuked. I don't know. The the point is, what did he say? Well, that I, I was like a disco loving. <laughs> I don't know. It was something about disco, um, but it was worth it to read it, and you know, 
it took me a while to come up with that when I wrote, I mean, <laughs> whoever that guy was, it must've taken him a minute or two to come up with a, a really, really good thing. And I think the funniest thing that I've noticed in recent weeks and months on the social media comments is that when I say dumb stuff like rocket surgery, that people, I don't know if people are really not picking up on the fact that I'm saying that intentionally, like on purpose, or if, or if they think that I really believe that it's rocket surgery is the proper <laughs> way, <laughs> because I mean, I'm a fairly intelligent person. Right. And uh, I do know that it's not actually rocket surgery as the term, folks. Right. I just want to be clear. I want to clear that up because I've seen multiple times when I made that reference in videos where people are like, this is a bird, it's not rocket surgery. And I'm like, it's not. I know it's not. I know. Yeah. But it could be. Like, who says? Who says you couldn't perform surgery on a rocket? If you are fixing a rocket, is it not surgery? Is a repair not surgery? I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, if you have your knee surgically operated on, couldn't that be that you're repairing your knee? Why does it have to be flesh and bone to be surgery? I don't know, but I think that it's, that's why these, uh, uh, non-football off-topic conversations are I think really informative for our audience because they don't know that you've been saying that for as long as I've known you yeah multiple hours in the car and a lot of other weird uh expressions that will surely just come up in the topic of conversation I think yeah I want people to know who we really are I want people to know who we really are at our core and at our core Austin, who most people, uh, because he's the straight man on the show, always between Tim May and myself or anyone else, because he's the, the guy who brings levity, uh, like, he is not that way IRL. Like, Austin is a music-loving, beer-drinking, uh, sports-loving I don't know, weirdo, man. Like, we're all weirdos. And uh, I am not always as weird as I come across, but I've really, I, I saw this on a message board this past week um, after the uh, Tumiche Adelaide Bermanology episode. People said that I love, I love to hear myself talk is what <laughs> someone, is what someone commented. And like, I really don't. I just don't know how to say what I'm trying to say until the sentence is completed. Right. So it like starts off as me thinking, okay, this is exactly how this is going to go. And then midway through the sentence, I'm like, oh shit, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said it this way. So then I'll just say the whole sentence again, a different way because I think that way is better. Yeah. But I, I really don't like hearing myself talk or seeing myself. <laughs> Do you cover yourself up when we're doing these? You're like, Yeah, I, I hate this. I, I, that's the funny thing, because in the last two years on Letterman Road, we've been on camera so much. Like, I don't like being on camera. You worked at ESPN. You did a lot of stand-ups and stuff like that for, for them through the years. I, would, I'm the, I like to be behind a camera and not in front of the camera. You see my irritation when people do what I do to other journalists and take random pictures of me. Like, I, I hate it. I don't like being on camera. I don't like hearing myself talk. But I just am a uh, nervous ball of energy when I'm in these situations. So it comes Still, out as random. Because we've been doing this for you know, a long time. I know. I know. It's, I, it's weird, but it's just, you know, it's the way it is. I was more like, I guess, what, six weeks ago. Because, I, I mean, these things, I, I don't worry about being on camera. I've been doing it now for so long and, you know, host all the other shows. I, but doing this one where we were actually just going to be talking about uh, random stuff and not football and not having any sort of plan or, or script or, you know, just like we're sitting in the car. I was like, as I've said every single week, I'm surprised that people want to watch this. We would 
you know, have to come up with some way just to have a conversation no matter what, whether we're recording it. But like, I, I was a little bit hesitant to like do it this way and just yeah. like, cause I still don't understand who wants to watch it. Well, I mean, it doesn't even, again, I don't care if anyone does, but the, the people wonder, I guess, like when we're talking about terminologies and stuff like that, like none of that stuff, I don't write out any questions. I don't put an outline together of what I want to talk about. So yeah. like sometimes when they hear it or watch it, it may come across as like, like I'm navigating and that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to figure out where the conversation should go. The one time, and I've done now 82, I think, 82 Bermanologies since I did, since we started that with Jack Sawyer last February. And I've pre-written or tried to script out one conversation, and that was with Urban Meyer. And it started, and it was immediately off script, and I never went back to it. So, well, And I think that... And the reason that I don't do that for any of the shows that we do, you know, some of the guys want to reach out beforehand and they say, well, what stuff are we going to talk about? What topics are we going to do? I want to prepare. And I get that. But, um, you know, I don't usually know because the same thing that you're talking about with Urban, if the conversation goes somewhere else or there's an inter interesting anecdote that you hear, uh, and this happened, I think the, mo the most popular one I can think about recently or the, the time that it happened, like, I did have some semblance of what a sh off season show needed to be like before we were kicked out of uh, going anywhere in public and we were at roosters and, and Justin's wick. And I was doing the intro. I was like, well, it's the off season. He's like, no, it's not. There's the XFL on Saturday. I'm like, oh, okay. And then that kicked off like 20 minutes right. of, of him go talking about, you know, arena ball and Schlegs played in, you know, the USFL or whatever it was. And, and these cool stories and, you know, if they hadn't interjected and, and had their own conversation, then we never would have talked about it because I wasn't thinking about um, – there was good conversation about Cardale and that, but it's just not authentic if you're not listening to what the other person is saying and going with it from there. So, like, listing out a series of questions to me just doesn't work or trying to script this show, uh, you know, yeah. this is way more inside baseball than probably anybody ever hoped they would get on. Hashtag road beers. You know, I have a lot of uh, friends and family and you know, Angie and everyone asks me all the time, like when we do radio spots or radio hits and they're like, how do you, do they tell you what you're talking about? I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it, I'm like, how do you have all that stuff just ready to talk about? I'm like, I'm just responding to a question as best I can. And I just find that like from a authenticity standpoint, that's so much better than feeling like you have to try to fit a square peg into a round hole to fit a, a you know preferred plot point on a on a story or a conversation i just i think people would prefer that but i don't know i mean i, I guess people want people must like the other way too structure I, yeah i don't i just structure stupid but you know we're not we're not looking at a store in the <laughs> 80s or 90s do they make jeans? Yeah, I think so. Structured jeans. Did you did you wear silk shirts? Um, or were you too, you're too young for for the silk shirt era of the early '90s. I think that I may have had one or two. But Used jeans and silk shirts. I'm trying to think. I I think I had like maybe in fifth or sixth grade. I don't know why I would have needed one to yeah. go to the club uh, recess. Um, but I think I had one. I don't know. I can't really remember. I had like eight or nine different silk shirts. I I never got like the quad panel one. You know, the only like uh, you would Millie see. Millie Vanilli? Yeah, I didn't get any. I always went with the solid colors, something a little understated. I remember having uh, a forest green version, which was crazy. Uh, I also, I remember wearing like red jeans or red used pants. Remember those? Used, I think was the brand name. I don't know that brand. Oh man, they were they were fire emoji. Okay, red. Yeah, I mean red jeans. They, they were red. They were red, like red pants. Uh -huh. Not and they weren't like sweatpants. I mean they were like red, <laughs> like red pants. So like what? And you match those up with a? I would wear because back in those days, like back in those days, shirt like Christmas. 
I mean, only once a year for that particular combination. But no, I would. Um, I was an Atlanta Falcons fan for like three years because I love Andre Risen for some reason is my all-time favorite NFL football player. Um, I don't know why. I know totally random. Um, but because Andre Risen and Deion Sanders were uh, on the Falcons at the same time, I just thought they were awesome. So the red pants did go a lot with like. Cincinnati Reds gear, Falcons gear, Buckeyes gear, et cetera, what I would wear when I was a kid. Yeah, I mean, there was a – That burns the retina right there. There was a lot of, I guess I would just say, uh, pure sexual energy from me as red. a uh, – Red sexual energy, of course. Um, Burning. At that time. Burning. Yeah, it was, it was pure heat. It's – you know what? It's, it's crazy – I was thinking about because I was going to ask you about the MJ doc and the last game mm. and all that going on, and I was thinking about you know growing up in the late, in the eighties and nineties, and I was going to ask like what jerseys you had, because I never had it. I was you know obviously as someone who was born in nineteen eighty three and loved yeah. sports and has made it his whole life, I followed and, and followed MJ, followed the Bulls, uh, loved you know and basketball was my first love as a sport um, to play, not to continue to follow as we've talked about on this show before. But like, I never, I never had a Bulls Jordan Jersey. I had, I did. I had the black one. Did you? Okay. So I had three different Jim Jackson jerseys from the Dallas Mavericks. Okay. Um, Cause you're an Ohio I, basketball fan. Well, and for, cause he's from Toledo and uh, I watched Jimmy, you know, in high school when I was a kid and, um, then he went to Ohio State, obviously, and then he went to the NBA. So I kind of – before LeBron, where I would follow what team LeBron was on, Jim Jackson's team was kind of the one that I would always uh, gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did have a Jordan jersey. Um, I had a Sergei Fedorov uh, Red Wings jersey because Sergei is my favorite hockey player of all time. Um, I had a number of different Bengals jerseys, Kajana Carter – because uh, it was 1994 or 95, um, and I was a sophomore in high school, and I was still okay to wear jerseys with someone else's name on the back. Um, I had uh, a Carl Pickens jersey. He was awesome. Um, I, who else? The most random of all of them is that I had a Scott Frost Nebraska jersey. <laughs> what? It's true. I, I had a, or maybe it was Eric Crouch. It was, it was number seven Nebraska jersey. Um, so it might have been Eric Crouch. But either way, I remember being like 16 years old and I was at like TJ Maxx or something. And I saw, and they had a random ass Nebraska jersey. And I was like, that is sweet. Let's get it. Cause they, you know, at the time they were like competing for national championships and stuff. And uh, like Spencer now, like Chives now, like, I mean, I was like, oh, that's a winning team. I, I thought at the time I'd be like the guy who would – I thought at the time I'd be like the guy who just collected random jerseys, and then I realized I, I don't have any interest in that. Yeah. So it was sort of a waste. But uh, I, I definitely uh, – I had an Eric Davis Orioles jersey mm-hmm. because that black Orioles jersey in the 90s is one of my favorite baseball uniforms of all time. Right. Um, and Eric Davis is my favorite all-time baseball player. Uh, I think that was it. I, I wasn't like a huge Jersey guy. Normally I would just wear my own because I, I am about myself and I love to hear myself talk. Yeah. <laughs> that was quite a random chive by in there. Uh, I think he deserved that hit for his teams. Uh, when was the last time that you wore another uh, adult's name on the back of your shirt? I mean, I, it's been probably 20 years. Really? I mean, I do still have, and it's just, they're in my closet. I haven't worn. I wear them once a year, and that's on my fantasy football draft day. Mm-hmm. A Bengals jersey with Birmingham on the back, but it's got my brother's number, my number seven instead of my favorite number twenty-one. Um, but that's the only time I ever wear. It. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, I've got these back here, and I've got a Ryan Murray hockey jersey up here. That's different. Those are hanging yeah, on no, the I wall. Know. I know. I know. I, I I collect them still. I love jerseys like. I love the fact that homage made me a de facto work Jersey that I can wear right here. Like it's, I think being part of a team is the coolest thing in the world. Um, 
and having and having logos and I I still collect them. I've got more jerseys to hang up that uh, aren't even in my office right now. Um, and, and I don't, you know, blame anybody who still wants to do it and support their favorite players. This isn't that's not what we're going to do. We're not going. No, not here to no, jersey. Not here to jersey shame people. Yeah, I'm not going to jersey shame anybody. But I just like I would rather have. So I shifted to like. Uh, either I put my own name on it or like if I wanted to make one, cause I obviously have crew and blue jackets jerseys right. uh, and I have probably 20 United States national team jerseys. And I would just put like, you know, random stuff like, uh, you know, Columbus and on the United States Jersey or American outlaws stuff or whatever. Yeah. I, I shifted to doing that because I still want to wear jerseys uh, at sporting events. I'm not going to stop. Um, yeah, you I, know what it was for me, honestly, is when I turned uh, old enough that if I wanted a jersey, I had to pay for it. And <laughs> so what happened was I realized that I was wasting money buying a Bengals jersey on a guy who was not going to be on the team in two years. Right. So at that point, I decided uh, I'm a Bengals fan. I want to be part of the, the hive, and, you know, the Bengals team. So that's when I was like, I'll just get my own name on the back of these things instead of someone else's because – those guys aren't going to be there. So why waste that? I mean, it's, you know, 65 bucks at the time, 25 years ago was a lot of money when you're 18 years old and trying to figure out if you're going to buy beer or a Jersey. Um, that's a, so that's a real, that's a real thing. Back then it was a real thing. Um, but no, I, I definitely, I, I think it, I've told people all the time, like growing up, if I hadn't played sports and been on teams, like, I would, my life would be totally, totally different. Like, I don't think there's anything better in the whole world. Maybe this is because I'm the 9th of 11 kid, but like nothing better than being a part of a team. Like, I think it's the coolest experience you can have growing up. And like, I, I actually get sad for today's generation of kids who don't play sports nearly as much as we did. So um, they're missing out on the best parts of growing up and certainly even just representing that team in public um is an awesome experience if you do it right and you're not punching people in parking lots <laughs> yeah i think uh liberty was digging through in the basement and found this picture from my senior year of high school and when we won the wyoming state golf championship and beat our rival and found this trophy that we won and how uh clearly different i looked i posted it on twitter last week uh, in case anybody really uh, wants to see the difference between 2001 and now um, it's, but like those, and then those memories just come flooding back. And I thought, man, it really made me sad because of forget about what you're saying with kids who aren't part of teams or don't play sports. The ones that are like you and me who are in the middle of their senior year. And, you know, that was really the last time that we achieved at, at a high level. That was the, you know, yeah. I, I thought about playing, golf in college and ultimately decided to start you know working instead and whatever that, that all worked out but you know those kids that are this was going to be their senior year in the spring and whether they were going to be playing soccer golf you know track whatever it is that, and and now that's gone like I can't that would be so so painful it hurts me just to think about what they're missing out on because that was you know I it wasn't the best time of my life because now I've got a wonderful family and and career and the perspective that comes, but up to that point in your life, it didn't get any better. And like, I'll still, I'll never forget winning the state championship and how hard we worked and everything. We oh, did. you went there. You had to go there. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, you, I'm not saying I'm not that you, know, you had to re rehash your coming up short. I think we've already done that on this show, but. It's one of the more painful moments of my entire existence. And maybe that speaks to how spoiled and fortunate I've been throughout the years. But uh, the reality is, yeah, losing those days and that opportunity would have been just heartbreaking. And I, I, it does, it sucks really, really bad for the kids who are out there that this is the end of their road and you know there's so many obviously we talk about like a guy like uh 
you know, Ty Hamilton going to Ohio State next year or whatever, if he was playing spring sports, yeah, it sucks that he loses them, but like he's still going to Ohio State for football. Yeah. Um, when you are talking about kids who are done, and that's the the final memory, like that would be heartbreaking to have to deal with. I mean, so what if what if um, your senior year? COVID-19 had wiped out that season and you didn't have that loss. Like which one of those, which, which one of those things do you think would hurt worse? Could it just wipe out the bottom of the seventh inning in the state championship game instead? I mean, that would be the preferable outcome. Um, but no, I mean, I don't think that, it worked that way. No. Okay. Fine. They like, couldn't just like start in the middle of it and be like, Oh, wait a second. We have a problem. <laughs> start Spartans win. Uh, no, it was, you know, that moment, it's a defining moment of, of my life. So uh, I certainly uh, wouldn't want it erased uh, just to lose the heartache. You yeah. know, the, sc- the scars remind us that the past is real, Austin. But you just, like, if, if, we, if we haven't talked about this before, like, you weren't on the mound causing that to happen, right? Like, no, 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 no. I, I was I – was, uh, done for the day the state of ohio as most states do have a dumb 10 innings and 72 hours rule um which i guess is supposed to save your dumb safety uh and i had unfortunately we had gone into extra innings in the state semifinal, and i came in in that game in the fifth inning to close that one out we went into extra so i used five innings in the state semi and then I had to choose essentially to start the championship game or come in in the third inning. And I wanted to get us a, a lead. So I started and left the game after five innings with a seven to three lead against the number two team in the country. Right. You guys were number one, right? Uh, no, we were number 17 in the country. We were number one in the state, but it was, I don't, because state people are obviously looking at things different, but. That game, I mean, we started – I started that game against Aaron Cook, who ended up being drafted by the Rockies and was an all-star with the Red Sox a handful of years ago. Um, what a duel. What a duel. Yeah, we beat the crap out of Aaron Cook. <laughs> now, I mean, if we're going to go in the wayback machine, like I, our lineup, we had seven guys that were first-team all-district on our, on our team. Like, so we were a very good team. But we beat the crap out of anybody who just threw a fastball. Like, we were a bunch of – we had a bunch of mashers on our team. Not we. I didn't. I had three bats at four years of high school. Um, but we were – we were we had a, a group of kids that just could straight up mash a fastball. And uh, they did that that day. Yeah. Boy, I'm sure that was very fun for you. I won't make you continue to relive it. I was – after all, started this conversation by talking about what jerseys we owned. No, but you know what I think? I actually, I mean, I was watching that Jordan thing the other night too, and um, I, I was thinking like from a different. I, this is where I thought you were going to go with this, but how crazy awesome it is for people like our generation that got to grow up watching Wayne Gretzky and Barry Sanders and Michael Jordan and Joe Montana. Like we've seen Mario Lemieux, like. Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, like we, we've, we've been pretty fortunate to see like the standard of all time in, in all of these sports. And I don't know, is it, is it like your own nostalgia or I'm sure maybe like kids who are growing up today think Mike Trout is the best baseball player of all time. I don't know. Like, do they? He's good, right? I mean, so He's he's pretty good from what I understand. I, I've never really watched. I know he's good, but I've never really watched him. So I, I just I watched wonder. A game in years, so I couldn't tell you. Like, how do people? How do today's people like view their athletes? Like, well, I mean, those, do, will those guys stand up against like his, historical? You you figures? obviously see that all the time with the LeBron and MJ debate. Um, I don't know how they do that with baseball. Baseball's, I think baseball is generally easier to compare across eras where my biggest problem with the debate about Jordan and LeBron is that the, 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 athlete, the modern athlete 
for football and basketball, and it's true for Mike Trout and baseball, I'm sure. But as, as the sports have evolved, as the training has evolved, the nutrition, the knowledge of the game, you know, even just uh, it seems human evolution when we're talking about LeBron and yeah. being 6'8", 260 and doing the things that he can do. Those people just didn't exist in that game in the 90s. So who is the best basketball player of all time? Right now, it's LeBron James. And that might change in 20 years because there might be uh, a seven-footer who's 280 pounds and can do the things that LeBron did. That's the way it works. You're not – if you take these people out of different eras, like MJ – and it's great to get this appreciation again and, and people that didn't grow up with it or follow it and see what he was doing. I, my, my, my acknowledgement of his greatness hasn't changed at all. I mean, I lived through it, and you knew you were watching something special. But right. at 6'6", six, six and, and even once – Jordan, you know, it's going to, I think they're going to be talking about it with the Pistons and the Bad Boys series where he started lifting weights, which he'd never done before. Like a 17 year old LeBron was probably going to be able to physically manhandle even a 23, 25, 26 year old Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. Like that's just the way that it works. Like that team would have had to have, you know, probably Scottie Pippen guard LeBron and look at his frame compared to the two. They're just, LeBron is Yeah, a, I look at it like who would have won a, a one-on-one game between those two guys? And like and I I think LeBron wins a one-on-one game with Jordan nine times out of ten, just be based on pure size and athleticism. I look at it like obviously Jordan has the accolades, all the championships, all that stuff. But like he also had a top fifty player in the history of the NBA playing with him for the entire time. Um, yeah. and really good teams around him. But he also played in an era where there weren't super teams, and his was kind of a super team. But so were the Celtics and Lakers in the 80s, I guess. I mean, they all had similar stretches. But I, I, I just – my eyes tell me what LeBron James is, is a different level than what Michael Jordan was. And that's not a knock on Jordan's greatness. Like, he's incredibly great, one of the top – athletes competitors I've ever watched but if you're talking like pure physicality like I just don't I don't think he could have competed with LeBron James in a seven game series like I just don't think so yeah and I think I mean he would have competed my my feeling on this has has come to this point where I feel really comfortable about it and it's not it's not trying to hedge any bet or straddle a fence it's if you want to talk about who the most impactful player of all time is, who, you know, stood out more above their generation, um, you know, that's a sort of different argument. I think MJ's case there as the most influential basketball player of all time is, is rock solid. And no, there is no real way for LeBron to chip away at that. But yeah, I only ever bristle when people say, well, who's the best basketball player of all time? Who's the best football player of all time the guys that are playing now are the best they just are yeah. they they have every advantage for that um and these guys all you're every one of them they're building and then standing on the shoulders of the greats that came before them like you know maybe lebron doesn't exist in this in this fashion if michael jordan hadn't you know elevated the game and, and set the example and, and you know taught people how to take the next step like maybe that doesn't happen maybe kobe doesn't uh, go in that way. Maybe maybe Kobe plays soccer, you know, whatever. I, I, right, maybe LeBron played football. I mean, it, it's it's a totally different world. And I just think that it's just this desire people have to argue about dumb shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> does it really matter who's the best basketball player of all time? No. Like, they're all really damn good, and they're all better than me. Like, they all do things that people at a normal level can't do like who cares who's the it's such a weird like thing to get hated about like what does it matter yeah but it's all it's well it's also human nature to debate and want to you know argue and be right and read lists and like you know that's just that's, weird that's why we have all here well like if people just if people didn't disagree even about, you know, 
play calls for Urban Meyer and uh, giving the ball to Zeke in 2015 and like debating about or in 2013. What what would be the fun if we weren't arguing? There would be we wouldn't even have a job. I I get that. I'm saying that there are times when you see the fervor with which people argue this is maybe going a touch too far. <laughs> like it's it's fine to suggest like hey LeBron's 6'8", 275 pounds and runs a four or five and has a forty five <laughs> inch vertical. He's probably a better basketball player than Michael Jordan. Right. Who who was six foot five, two hundred and ten pounds when he came into the league. Like it's fair to suggest that. It's fair to say Michael Jordan is a elite competitor who took people to a different level around him. It's fair to say Jordan has six titles. LeBron's lost six titles. Who cares? Like like they're great. They're both great. They're historically great. But you want to talk about great? Like, think about how hard golf is for the average person. Like, I can go out and shoot a three-pointer. I can go out and make 35% of three-point shots, right? Like, I'm obviously, it's different doing it on a worldwide stage with tens of thousands of people watching. But think about, like, golf. Like, that's hard. The people who play golf are, like, the, the greatest separation between the average person and the, the elite. In my mind, you know, like oh, yeah. that's that is something that you just can't do. Well, I think that's <laughs> it's fun to think about that because I remember, like, when I was at when I was practicing every day and going back to like, if we're gonna relive these these memories, like when I was at the best I've ever been, you know, and we won that championship, there was still light years between uh, me and the average pro golfer, let alone Tiger. I mean, right. Uh, and and that's like it's crazy to think about how I was like Tiger Woods compared to somebody just starting to play golf or you know a twenty right because you can hit the ball every single time yeah. you know like like it's crazy so to the person think about that so the part person, of it. right people who've never played golf are like how the hell do you even hit the ball every time how do you how do you put it on that little face like I mean I don't know why they talk about accents but. Uh, it's just like let's just acknowledge greatness wherever it is and be happy about it like that's all that's all it's not like there's a bunch of and that's the weird like i get it if people are like oh no man the bulls were great no it's the Cavs, but it's individual players like like they're doing it all by themselves well, and Magic Johnson even said that in the, the first through second episode on Sunday night. It was like, we knew how great he was, and once he got some help, we were going to be in trouble. Like, all, almost nobody has ever put it in those terms, and I'm glad that it was another one of the greatest players in basketball history that, you know, it was – I think people maybe have just glossed over that part of it. Like, he was already that good, just the same way that LeBron was – uh, those first five, six years, seven, eight years he was drafted in Cleveland, but you cannot win a basketball game by yourself. That Jordan right. was obviously blessed with Pippen and and for all Think these about balls those two were- games they showed against Boston in the '86 playoffs. The dude goes out for <laughs> 49 and 63 and loses both games. Like, yeah, does, what does that matter? And, you know, you see Bobby Knight, one of the greatest coaches in history, saying he's the best basketball player I've ever seen before he ever played an NBA basketball game. Like, that stuff is really unique. But would Bobby Knight have said the same thing about LeBron James 20 years later? I'm pretty sure he did. I mean. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he was already on the SI cover as the chosen one. I think people had – and that happened very early for him. But uh, that was a great – I'm looking forward to watching more of that every Sunday night. And it's um, taking the place, I guess, a Do little bit. Do you think that Jordan came across as kind of a dick? Like how well? What, how much do you have to attack? Most, how much do you have to attack Jerry Cross? How much you got to attack the guy? Yeah, he's short. We get it. Like why? You mean us? Oh, so like old Jordan? Did I think he came across as a dick? No, 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 no. Young Jordan to Jerry Cross, especially. I like, I, I get. I, all right, I got it back. I was thinking like yeah, ninety ninety six Jordan. Is that what you're? That's what you're yeah, asking. Yeah, like it's kind of uh, he came up, like. 
I, I get think it. you that, don't like, like the guy, but you don't got to keep calling him short. It's kind of rude. Yeah, but it, it, anybody who has even, you know, remotely followed Jordan, grew up around it, know that he wasn't the Space Jam character. Like, a, the most famous part of his legacy was, you know, being a, a dick to teammates and punching him in the face and, and demanding that they play on his level. Like, none of that stuff was, like, behind the scenes. Everybody knew that when it was going on. I would have been shocked if it didn't happen to Jerry Krause, um, especially given what was happening and not even being able to play out the string yeah. after that last dance. Like, that uh, – no, that didn't strike me as anything – I mean, I guess he probably was – a prick to be on the same team with, but that didn't like surprise me or change anything about the way I view him. What I was most intrigued by on Sunday night was how orange his eyes were. And it was like the scotch or whatever he was drinking was like soaking into his face. And I've never really seen a documentary like this where you've got the primary subject and people have been wanting to hear from this guy, uh, you know, forever. He doesn't grant many interviews. And then, uh, the way that they get it done is letting him sit there with this much brown liquor next to him, the longest cigar that you could possibly roll up. And it just, you know, looks like he's something's not right. He sounds fine, yeah. but. But that's happened for a while. What, what's those, been going on? That's been happening for a while though. I think, I think that he's probably, I don't know. Like he's probably been drinking at such a prolific rate like way past what I could hope to achieve. Um, I'm going <laughs> to. You'd only believe if you wish to achieve. But he's probably been doing that for so long. Like, I don't want to speculate on it, but you know the stories about the gambling and drinking with him, you know, forever. That's been part of it. So if that just continued and then you're able to, you know, you have a billion dollars, you've got nothing else to do with your time when you're no longer competing on the basketball court. All you're doing is golfing, drinking, and gambling. Is that what happens to your eyes? They turn orange? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that there's some sort of medical condition that I don't know anything about. Yeah. But to me, there was definitely the most interesting subplot of episodes one and two was watching that beverage keep changing. Because I wonder, I mean, if you look in the beginning of the show, it was like a quarter of a glass. Yeah. And later it was a three quarters of a glass. And I don't know if that's just because the editing worked out that way. If he started with the full glass and then they moved video parts around, or if he was like just, you know, another one, another one. Yeah. Bring it. I want all the bacon and eggs you have. <laughs> I don't think you understood me. So uh, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I was definitely wondering because I, you know, the whole crying Jordan meme, like, I guess has brought this attention to his eyeballs in the last uh, 10 yeah. years, but. Right. They've always sort of had that tinge to them. And I don't, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, um, but it looks like a, a, some sort of medical thing, but I hope it's just the alcohol. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if that's, what's going to happen to my eyes, if I keep drinking so many road beers, I am a little concerned. I think that. you have to drink whiskey to get it. To the, to oh, okay. I should be safe then. Um, so we've got that to look forward to more episodes on Sunday night, sort of replacing the, that thing that we've bemoaned every single week that we don't have live sports. Um, Did you watch Ozark? Do have, uh, no, because um, as I told you last week, once Community was back on there for me to watch again on Netflix, I immediately had to do that again, even though I had been watching it on Hulu previously. Um, right. It's just because I've got to bump the ratings and uh, I want to do everything I can to make sure that there's a movie, which the Russo brothers are now teasing they might be able to get back and do because of the support on Netflix. So I'm just doing my part uh, for uh, arguably my famous, my favorite show of all time. You're a real American hero. You know, ask not what you can do. I don't know how that actually goes. For your community. Ask not what you can, what your community can do for you, but what you can do for your community. That's the way it goes. I mean, except. Nailed it. I'm going to have to write that down. Uh, So I didn't, but um also had monday night with the one of the great season finales of all time with better call saul i don't know where you are um i i'm i'm very far behind in that series oh, i don't like oh. season two. Oh no yeah all right then scratch that off the old script won't but, be doing uh, that 
I didn't have I hear I hear it's very good. It is a good show that people like. I recommend Better Call Saul. That's very authentic right there. Yes. That okay. was not scripted. So we can be done with our TV conversation for this week, except for whatever is going to happen um, when this is when this episode publishes and this podcast goes live whenever you see it, the draft may have already begun. Saul is one of the best characters on the television. He is a person who you have seen before on the Breaking Bad. Uh-huh, yeah. That's correct. I'm glad that we sent that script over for you. Thank you. <laughs> Ham sandwich. Um, NFL draft. We have some sort of sports to talk about tonight. Oh, good Lord. We're so happy. We made some predictions about what's going to happen to some of the Buckeyes. And we actually talked a little bit about this last week with getting to know Chase Young. But um, for you, when you get to know these kids, Jordan Fuller comes to mind immediately. You don't develop the same relationship with them as every other player. That's how yeah. human relationships work. Some are better, closer than others. Um, who, uh, who are you going to feel – the best for whether that's Thursday night, Friday, or Saturday when their name calls? I think it's probably between Okuda and Dobbins just because they've both been through so much in their lives already. Um, I was actually thinking about this yesterday. I sent Jeff a, you know, congratulations ahead of the draft just because I don't want to be one of those thousands of people texting him uh, tonight. But uh, I remember, gosh, it was, January of 2017 already and it feels like it was yesterday but it's like being on the field with him in San Antonio um, the day before he committed and myself and Mark Givler had, he gave us some quotes and stuff for the story to run whenever uh, the commitment happened and like I can't believe it was only three years ago <laughs> And that he's already gone and through Ohio State, like it's wild. But uh, for Jeff, with with his mom passing away when she did, right a week before he got on campus, so you know we were talking to him there in San Antonio, getting those quotes for him to commit to Ohio State. He was enrolling at Ohio State two days later, and like his mom is dying, and he's just you know, plotting away and doing his thing. And he's never been a different uh, guy. So I, I, I think between him and JK with what he's dealt with, with the broken ankle and the first play of his senior high school, the way his, his father. And uh, I just think that those two are, are the guys I'm really rooting for the most. Um, you know, being an Ohioan and watching Joe Burrow play uh, in high school, definitely very excited for Joe, like as a Bengals fan. I've taken a lot of heat on Twitter because I've said I don't want them to draft Joe Burrow, but it's nothing against Joe. I just think the Bengals have bigger needs than quarterback. But um, that's an incredible story. Like, the, regardless of whether or not his road to the Heisman has been somewhat, um, you know, sensationalized, I guess, with people acting like he never very much before, so. picked up a football or whatever until his senior year of college. But, um, you know, Joe's story coming from Athens and, and being a player that, I mean, I watched him play the best high school football game I've ever seen against Central Catholic in the state championship game in 2014. And um, to know what he had to go through to get to LSU and to win the Heisman and all that stuff. And now to be like the number one pick in the draft is unbelievable. Um, but you know, there's just it's just a lot of really great guys. I'm really hoping that Austin Mack gets a call. Um, you know, I obviously he's probably going to be a day three guy if that, but like that's a kid who is going to make plays in the NFL because he's just a a solid dude. And as you mentioned, Jordan Fuller is an incredible human being, like a, just exactly the type of person you want representing you and your program. And those kids are just they're difference makers, and they they all have busted their balls for years to get to this spot so I, I get a little emotional because I, I do get to know them pretty well and uh, it's just great to see this moment for them yeah I'm gonna be uh, so happy for Damon Arnett when yeah I, I think it might I think it might happen in round one I mean if, if you're 
not hearing this until Friday, don't, you know, don't hate me if I'm wrong. I, I think that there's just a good shot for him. And if he doesn't go on Thursday night, then somebody's getting an incredible value uh, in a, you know, lockdown cornerback whenever he does come off the board. Like, it's crazy how much criticism he took. Uh, and sometimes this happens where, you know, uh, these guys don't need my help, but it didn't, the criticism of him never made sense to me. A, it's fair to like talk about it. If a guy's not playing well, we'll admit it, but it didn't, to me, it didn't match up with what was happening on the field. And it's, you know, they work very, very hard. And I think a lot of times they, they should be shielded from that when they are still so young. I know that it's also part of it to be honest about what we're seeing, but I just, you know, Damon Arnett in 2018, I didn't see any of the struggles that were different than what was happening with Kendall Sheffield or even Jeff Okuda at that point. And it was a coaching problem and not a talent problem. There was something that, you know, he had shown before and he shoot, he was showing in flashes, you know, it was up and down in that big 10 title game in 2018. He's making big plays. He never stopped competing. Um, and he was giving everything he had to Ohio state and getting a lot of unnecessary flack back that, I just, I always, I just had a soft spot for him. And when I thought, you know, he was, when he was out the door was after the Rose bowl and he was going to go straight to Dallas and not come back for his senior year. I was like, man, I, 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 if you do, if you go, like, I wish you well, like, I think that, you know, you could do something really special, uh, but it's been fun to covering, covering you and talking to you and getting to know you. Um, But he had, he listened to these people in, in his yeah. life that were like, you know, you're not done. And a lot of people could shut that out. He was open to it. You know, I could come back and be better. I, you know, he, it's not me that covers, that's, I'm, I'm not talking about myself there. I'm talking about people that actually matter that were uh, Jeff Halfley and Chris Carter and others, but it's so cool when these guys are actually open to that and process it and realize that they are not finished products yet. And, you know, what he did with, uh, a broken wrist all of last year, didn't give up a, a touchdown all year, um, had the pick six. He scored more touchdowns than he gave up. It was a wild stat considering how much people, you know, I'll never forget the messages that I just get when I was write, writing about Damon Arnett that was like, why it's a big deal for him to come back to school. And they're like, he's the sixth best corner on the roster. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> that doesn't think, make any yeah. sense whatsoever. Damon so for took him, such a beating for no reason. Yeah, it was so brutal. To be a first or second round pick or, you know. Even if he's a third round pick, it doesn't matter. I mean, it, 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 that's the thing of this whole draft. Like, it could be seven rounds, and I don't care if Benjamin Victor goes in round seven or, or gets picked up tomorrow, you know, Monday as an undrafted free agent. Like, this is – we're talking about those high school seniors that lose their, you know, final – season because of the coronavirus stuff but like these kids have worked for years like more than people could ever truly appreciate or understand um and put themselves in a position where they're in great physical pain for years at a time to get this opportunity and um you know it sucks that they were they lost some of this process i think especially for guys like austin mack um, brandon no brandon bowen i mean Mac at least got, he got to go to the combine. All the receivers did. Um, I don't mean to jump in, but like no, you're good. No, I understand. Bowen got absolutely screwed during this process. Um, Jay Sean Cornell, I would include in that as as well. Yeah. But with Bowen, I don't, I cannot for the life of me understand how the starting right tackle for the best offense in the country didn't get invited to the combine. Yeah, especially when he's six foot eight and three hundred pounds and. Um, it can play inside or outside, uh, play, play both tackle positions, play guard. Um, it's pretty puzzling. And But a guy like him, I mean, he was – he lost a very important uh, month and a half uh, in this process. And so you just kind of hope that he gets an opportunity that – like Demetrius Knox, I mean, I know, again, is a guy people kind of like to pick on when he was at Ohio State. But – Demetrius Knox went out and signed an undrafted free agent deal with the Seahawks and was in position to start for them as a rookie um, before he, you know, broke his, before he hurt his leg again. Um, 
Jamarco Jones as a fourth round pick who started, you know, played a lot of games for Seattle. These kids, what Ohio State's done is really prepare them for life uh, in the NFL in a way that no one else does. And I think teams end up seeing that. So it's, it sucks that Bowen and, and Jay Sean lose that opportunity because they would sh- they shine the most in in-person interaction. Um, and, and when you get to, you can Zoom with people and sure, I'm sure that Brandon has talked to a number of teams this way, but you don't really appreciate how freaking big Brandon Bowen is until you're standing next to Brandon Bowen, right? Like he, he's, a, he's a massive human being. Yeah. And I think that just that eye test, you lose that. Um, and so, you know, you just hope that they get a, a, a call that um, gives them the best opportunity, especially for Brandon with, with, the, with the baby. And, um, yeah. it's, it's definitely, it, it's awesome to see the, these moments come true for these kids. And, you know, you just hope that they all get a chance to do it. Yeah, so we'll be uh, obviously watching that tonight, uh, tomorrow, Saturday. Get some home beers. See Chase Young come off the board, Jeff Okuda, J.K. Dobbins, Jonah Jackson, Brandon Bowen, K.J. Hill, Austin Mack, Benjamin Victor, Jeff Okuda, Damon Arnett, Jordan Fuller, Malik Harrison, Devon Hamilton, uh, Jay Sean Cornell, Robert Landers, Rashad Berry. Uh, whew, man. That uh, that's a big draft class. Maybe maybe a few of them won't actually get their name called, but uh, all those guys will be signed but to a team pretty soon. Yeah. You can think on that. It's been uh, I think it's worth mentioning uh, those guys and giving them a little uh, shout out beforehand because it was a pleasure uh, to cover them. They've got three Big Ten titles that they're taking with them, uh, following them on their journey as they as they leave Ohio State and we're no longer going to see them all that much uh, unless they pop on for some virtual. Uh, Buck IQs, which we'll try and do with them. Uh, we wish them all the best of luck. Berm, uh, what will you be drinking during the draft? That. Uh, it's called uh, we- Weezen IPA, I believe. Weezen, Weezen, Weezy, Weezy. Weezen, okay. Uh, Weezy, Weezy, Weezy. It's uh, Weezen Juice. Weezen Juice <laughs> by Armory uh, Brewing up there in, um, in, in, in Michigan. It's the same brewery that does the white chocolate ale that I love so much. Yeah. Uh, and they are quickly establishing themselves as one of my go-tos for whatever they produce, whatever I can find uh, in the, the local liquor cabinet by them. So shout out to Armory Brewing and uh, Weezen Juice because it's really good. I know you were hoping to be drinking Land Grant uh, yeah. and our good friend who watches the show, James, he's actually sending you all their new stuff I don't know why he's just driving it over to my house um, as a much why. as <laughs> why um, because uh, it would not get to me number one because I'm the whipping boy and you would think it's fine to bully me and take my deer but it's not fine I just don't want it to go bad crossing the state lines it's not gonna go bad it won't have time okay well I'm gonna go. You know, I'm going to get some land grant uh, for sure. Uh, it's Thursday. I've got to stock up, go branch out. SIP is going to be open, so I need to make sure to keep them in business. I've got to pick up that. Uh, Brewdog also uh, had – I tested out their delivery yesterday. They had a new um, – trying to think what it was called. It was a collaboration with Evil Twin, and it was a, like, nitro coffee stout. Mmm, um, Breakfast. Yeah, it was a great way to uh, end start, the night. Start your day. Yeah, it was it was phenomenal. That's uh, Roaster Coaster. And I also had the Blueberry Pulp Patriot. I don't have the picture up. It was their new one. It's their... Don't get me started on Blueberry. I'm, I'm missing my, my, blue, my Blueberry Crush from yeah. Montoski. So this, this Pulp Patriot, they, they've done several different variations of it with different flavors. And uh, I think the first one was raspberry. And Allie and I had it when we, we stayed at the Brewdog Hotel last year for our getaway. So it's like, it's their, um, the Pulp Patriot is their milkshake, like Imperial IPA. It's great. So then they start adding these new flavors. The blueberry one is by far the best that I've had. And I, and I thought about you last night because 
I know that any sort of blueberry beer is going to get your attention. Love them. I don't know if it'll last until you're allowed to come travel uh, down here, but I'll try and order some more and, and maybe keep some in, in reserve for you because it is, it is absolutely phenomenal. It's a good idea. It's a very good idea. Yeah. All right. I, I'll do the best that I can. I can't make any promises. Just like, uh, you know, I couldn't watch your land grant beer if James dropped it off over here. Yeah, um, impossible. This has been Road Beers. We're going to get ready to drink some home beers and watch the draft. We appreciate anyone who made it this far, who's watched six episodes, or this was the first one and you still got to this point. You're uh, all sick. You. You're all sick. You're sickos. <laughs> but we appreciate it. We appreciate you very much. And, when, and following along with everything we do at Letterman Road, we appreciate you all. Uh, thanks for hanging out with me and Berm again. Uh, we'll see you next week.